Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Sam Spiegelman, National Recruiting Analyst for On3. Sam uh, coming to us from his home in New Orleans, uh, where some news happened this week. Actually, it happened up in Zachary, Louisiana, uh, where Eli Holstein, a quarterback, uh, committed to uh, Alabama, uh, which happens to impact the Longhorns because Alabama is one of the teams uh, that is in the, the process of recruiting Arch Manning, the nation's number one prospect overall out of New Orleans. Uh, Sam, familiar with that family, been has known Arch for, he's told me last time, I'm going back to eighth grade. Uh, so how does, uh, let, let's just start uh, and also say that Manning put out late last week, Sam, uh, that he was uh, down, not down to three schools, but three schools were going to get visits, Georgia, Alabama, and then Texas. So how does Eli Holstein's, another top-ranked quarterback's, commitment to Alabama influence Arch, and, and what does that mean uh, for the, the for the Longhorns' chances there? Yeah, well, you know, just to, to back up a little bit, you know, before the the rush of media with, with Arch and, and the setting of these official visits, you know, on three, I think, has been uh, pretty, pretty solid in their reporting. Um, we reported that those three schools were kind of, you know, separating from the pack at a certain point in the spring um and then we reported that you know even Alabama was in heavy pursuit of not only Arch but also Holstein um which had kind of opened the door that Georgia and Texas were were you know maybe maybe the perceived two teams maybe of that of the three maybe a, a step ahead of Alabama potentially um now I see that Holstein commits to Alabama um right now you know it, Obviously, you know, it doesn't seem like Arch has has any problems being a part of a two person class, but Texas and Georgia have made him a, a top priority um, that that that's just going to open the door for for them to, you know, going into these official visits. They, they have a wide open opportunity for Arch to come in and compete and be the centerpiece of their recruiting classes. Those two teams in particular have exhibited the patience to back up those sentiments and say, Arch, you know, um, we've we view you as a quarterback of, the, of, of this class and, and obviously the number one guy on our board. Both those offensive minds uh, rep were represented at his spring game, Todd Munkin from Georgia. Uh, not only Terry Joseph, the Louisiana recruiter, but A.J. Milwey was obviously also at Arch's spring game. And uh, both schools have set themselves up, but the, 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 the elephant in the room and literally and figuratively is Alabama is still in line to get an official visit from Arch, even though they are very content with their quarterback right now and Eli Holstein. Uh, I had one source point out that, you know, it's Bryce Young, who is the Heisman Trophy winner and, and potential favorite going into the season. And behind him, it's Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. And they obviously have Eli on board, but um, they, they, they need to fill up that quarterback depth chart. It's a little bit thinner than, than you'd expect in Tuscaloosa. And they're going to make a run to trying to recruit both these quarterbacks and see what happens. So Art, so Arch and, and Alabama is still a realistic possibility. Um, but obviously from, a, you know, from, from looking at it without them making any comments that anyone is out of the race yet, and then they'll let us know when Alabama is in fact out of the race, if they are Georgia and Texas have to like where they stand um, after another strong spring of visits. And then obviously entertaining Arch and being at Newman and, and being around the family and, and the coaching staff and Arch during the spring. Um, does it open up the door for other teams like Florida and LSU to get further involved? Um, you know, we've obviously heard uh, the, the rumors and, and coming right from Arch's mouth that he's had interest in both of those schools and checking them out. 
Um, you know, if, if you, you know, right again, as of, you know, May 26th, the, the, the official, the plan is to still officially visit Alabama. Um, there's been no change in those plans. If, if he does change those plans, could that open up another weekend visit to, to Florida, maybe an unofficial, maybe an official. Um, I know that June 10th uh, or June 9th is uh, LSU seven on seven tournament. Uh, Newman historically, you know, participates. Alabama, you know, Alabama still expects uh, Arch to be on campus that, that weekend. So they might be going with their backup quarterback who happens to be a D1 quarterback down the road. But um, it could open up the door for Arch to maybe not visit Alabama and maybe go up to Baton Rouge instead. No, it's interesting. So um, what you're saying, basically, it, it, it from your viewpoint and, and not further intel than what the, the Mannings have, have in Arch have released, is that it sounds like it's Texas and Georgia with Alabama still involved although we just don't know what the impact of Holstein going to Alabama is. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's exactly it is, is obviously, you know, if we, we can all put ourselves in Arch's shoes or his family's shoes and say, you know, Alabama it just took a commitment from a, from an elite quarterback in the same state as you, um, you know, like they're, they're out and then let's move on to these final two, but that, that's not been the, that's not been the case with the Mannings. They've been very careful, um, with this process and, and if they're still set to visit Alabama. Um, it's just, it almost further proves what we've been reporting that Alabama continues and is intent to recruit not only Holstein, but also Manning. And, um, you know, maybe that official visit will tell us more. Maybe that will signal the end of this relationship. We, we, we can only guess or speculate, but for now it still is at least a three team race. And, and the Mannings haven't been willing to really close things off to even Florida or LSU at this point. So, it seems like three, maybe four-ish teams are still really hanging around right now. So, so Sam, you you've spoken to to Arch and and uh, that family. Where do you think Texas sits in this, and why is he attracted to Texas? Yeah, well, Texas has and continues to sit in a fantastic spot. Um, you know, they, I think it it says a lot about the way that they've been recruiting that they, you know, in the state of Texas and the program that Texas is and the, the offensive minds that are a part of this program that they've offered one 2023 quarterback. I think in the world of recruiting where, um, you know, you, you can't really stand out from other teams too, too easily, that's a way to stand out and differentiate yourself. And Texas is the only team to ever do that. Arch has visited Austin routinely over the last couple of years. Um, he has developed relationships not only with the coaching staff, which are well-documented from Steve Sarkeesian to A.J. Milwee to Terry Joseph, um, to Brandon Harris, but he has got relationships on the roster. He's got relationships with other guys that are committed to them, guys that Texas is also recruiting to add to their class. Um, and I think from from catching up with Arch uh, just a couple of weeks ago, it's just a level of comfort that you can only get from, from familiarity. And in the world of college football recruiting, um, that's really all you can go go with is, is your gut and comfortability and, you know, what, what seems to be leading you right to, down the right path. And I think Texas has checked all those boxes. Um, I think the same goes for, for Alabama and the same goes for, for Georgia, which is why, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems like those are the last three teams standing at the moment. Um, but Texas in particular, you know, they've, they've kind of clicked on the Louisiana flavor with Terry Joseph, um, brilliant quarterback minds with Sark and, and Milwee, um, and really just finding a fit. I think, you know, just from, from talking to Arch and, you know, he's a New Orleans kid. I, I live in New Orleans, you know, I think it's safe to say we both love this, the city that are in, um, you know, he compared the two. And I thought that, you know, from just, you know, 
a 17 year old perspective, you know, just finding the uniqueness of the city that you're living in and taking that into account in your college decision, it goes a long way, which is why I think Texas is, you know, one of these final teams standing and certainly very much in the in position to, to make a run at his commitment. In Austin, there's a, a logo, a, a long held logo that says, keep Austin weird. Uh, New Orleans That's is right. weird itself, right? And so <laughs> I think, we're, I, think I, I, like, I like to think that we're the weirdest, but <laughs> I think Austin is very weird in itself. Yeah. And so I think there's a, there's some, maybe some give and take there that might be a, might be some, some symbiotic uh, idea. Um, you know, uh, I, I want to move on because uh, you also uh, took a tour through uh, the state of Texas recently and saw some other kids that Texas is recruiting. But before I do that, I've got to ask you this. So Holstein, I, I, I've got to say this, Holstein is from Zachary, Louisiana, commits to, Al commits to Alabama. Do you know who the best quarterback ever from Zachary, Louisiana is? In my opinion, it would have to be Lindsey Scott Jr. And I'm going to go. Gonna with, tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm going to go. Well, he didn't play it. It didn't play at Zachary High because this was before. Okay. Inter, um, Doug Williams, the Grambling quarterback, is from well, uh, Super Bowl 22 MVP. Is from Zachary. Uh, it's uh, I, when I rolled through there. I went back to that high school. I guess almost 25 years ago, and I uh, remember talking to one of the coaches wow. when I was there. Uh, about it but all right let's move forward to your texas trip real quick okay so you you started and i think you were down in uh the southern southern part and then you went up to westlake up to temple went in the dallas area uh who are some of the kids that you talked to that that you felt like texas had a good shot at um yeah right from the top um you know i think the first rpm uh the first uh, first two rpms from that trip were were john Tay cook um, and Ruben Owens. Um, and to start with Jonte, um, from visiting him, obviously, you know, he just reset his whole official visits. Um, he's going to get to Oregon. He's going to get to Ole Miss now. He also has Jackson State in his top five. You know, Jonte, just from being around him and being around people close to his recruitment, I think there's always been a sense this is going to come down to Texas or Texas A&M. And obviously, he's going to he's going to explore all of his opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But this, you know, it, the, the, the kind of player he is at the program he is, it seems like it's an in-state battle. I really, really feel good about Texas with John Day. Um, and that's honestly from from his comments about Sark and this offense and what they're building in Texas. You, you, we, can, we can obviously read the tea leaves from, from how they, you know, develop through through recruiting and through the transfer portal. And you see there's a lot of excitement building, but they obviously have to play. And I think Jonte kind of embodies that um, with how he speaks about Sark. He's super familiar with the program. I felt good about that RPM pick. And then Owens, I didn't actually catch up because he was so busy with, with track um, and all the coming off a fantastic stellar junior season coupled with a fantastic spring and track and field. Um, but really I put that RPM in while he was in Austin. A lot of the buzz from, from driving around to all these small towns in and around Austin and, and from Dallas um, really kind of connected the, the dots between Owens and, and Texas. And he previously had similar comments to Jonte about not only the offense, but, you know, from an NIL perspective, how to be branded in Austin. And um, A&M is not going anywhere with, with Owens. Georgia's not going anywhere with Owens. Um, he just set up OVs to, to Louisville and, and TCU as well. And, and neither one of those teams can be discounted yet, but, um, I like where Texas has and always sat with Owens. And I think even after you reopen your process and evaluate all your options, and there's still a lot of buzz connecting you to the Longhorns, that says a lot. So I feel good about those RPM picks. Gotcha. What, what did you uh, – you went up to see um, Mikhail Harrison Pilot at Temple, uh, Naaman Forrest to see uh, uh, Marcus Steele over to Arlington Martin. 
to see JV and Toviano. Uh, where, where, where did you come away on those guys? Yeah, um, I actually put in another RPM for deal to Texas. Um, one of the more interesting recruitments, uh, just from the fact that, you know, he's, he's one of, for on three's purposes, he's one of the best interior linemen in the country. Um, when I was there, he was playing on offense. He's, he's also getting recruited as a defensive lineman, and Bo Davis is leading his recruitment for Texas. Um, his dad being the defensive line coach at Nauman Forest, and I think just feeling really comfortable with that. Um, and the way that Bo Davis is one of, if not Texas, best assistant coach on the recruiting trail. Um, I really like where Texas stands. Uh, USC is probably running second there. Um, and I think Georgia's intent to make a run at, at deal as well. But I think Texas has built a really strong foundation. And, hey, if they recruit him as a D-lineman, he's a fantastic D-lineman. If he wants to make the switch to offense, I'm sure that Texas won't blink an eye. So that's someone I feel good about the Longhorns with in-state. Um, going out to Arlington Martin, JV and Toviano, I, I actually think he's trending a little bit more out of state. Um, Texas has always been kind of the, the first team in the, in the boat with Javian. He burst onto the scene after he shut down Billy Bowman and Jatavian Sanders, who we now know is, you know, prime for a breakout season in Austin. Um, but Javian, yeah, I think Texas has always had a special place in, in Javian's heart. I think A&M is probably the team trending in-state the most, and, and Georgia is probably the biggest out-of-state threat, in my opinion, for Javian uh, coming on late over the last – couple of months you know LSU has gotten them on campus Alabama has shown interest same with Ohio State and Michigan but Georgia seems most primed to to make a run and they'll get them on campus for an OV in uh next month um and who is the, who is the third uh Mikhail Mikhail, yeah, Mikhail Harrison um, pilot who's who just recently set up a visit to Texas right and things have been moving very quickly um for the the two-way athlete at a temple um you know, he started the spring by dropping a top 12 and after his spring game said he was he intends to explore more of those top 12 options. And then very quickly, he started to plot his official visit. It's funny how things work out when they when spring football is over and they can actually be like, oh, wait, it is the end of May. We need to start getting ahead on this thing. Um, you know, the buzz around McHale is that, you know, he possibly could wait until de December or, or even February. Um but he's going to have some Memorial Day news. He's about to have a. He's about to narrow it down that that twelve down to five. Uh, obviously, you can tell by the official visits he's set up that Texas, at Oklahoma, and Cal are all in a good spot. Um, you know, he's going to be at that Sooners barbecue uh, to open June. Right now, it's it's actually trending towards being an unofficial visit. Um, there's been some some mis mysterious things going on on that boat, but um, he's going to see Texas and Cal. Um, and really, from the in-state perspective, you have to love where Texas sits with Mikhail. Uh, Lake Gideon built a great foundation. And then it's been uh, Brandon Marion, who's taken over his recruitment, recruited him at Pitt. Um, we all know that Texas is trying to put together a relay team at receiver, and Mikhail fits that bill perfectly. Um, and he's clicked really well. And I think that Texas is in a really great spot, uh, along with Oklahoma. And then Cal is probably, you know, among the out-of-state schools, one to keep an eye on, just, you know, Demix, you know he's this is a this is a kid that has a Stanford offer. You know he's got it all in front of him, and, and Cal checks a lot of those boxes as well. But um, Texas, it seems like this is this might come down to Texas and Oklahoma for uh, for a kid that lives pretty close to Austin. So we'll see where it goes from after these official visits. Let me ask you this: um, You also went by Marlin, and and any list that I make up of five most important recruits for Texas includes uh, the linebacker Darian Gallette. I just I think he's one of those rare types that 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 aren't, you know, God doesn't make many that are 6'3", 225 and run <laughs> like him, you know? And so anytime, you know, those 
there just aren't that many, right? Um, where, where totally. did you, what did you take away from Marlin in your trip there? Yeah, um, well, I think you said it best. I mean, there's not many kids that fit the profile uh, of Darian and um, the track background, the football background, the basketball background. And, and obviously, you know, even even more on top of that, he's he's such a smart kid upstairs and, you know, mature beyond his age. It's I would put him on any musket list of the teams that are recruiting him and you know he's I think he's preparing to drop a top seven uh here in the next couple of days um and I would expect schools like Alabama and LSU um to make the cut maybe a few more out-of-state programs that might have caught his eye but um from talking to people close to him in in Marlin um this I think is going to come down to Texas to Oklahoma and A&M um I know he recently had a tough decision he had a narrow he had to eliminate Baylor which was one of his early offers and he's going through things very methodically and carefully so um, he's looking at things from a lot of different angles, from football to NIL and and also academics. Um, and I think relationships are also extremely big. And, you know, for a kid from a small small town like Marlin, Texas, um, it's all about where, wherever he goes to school, to this big campus, this big football program. He feels, you know, like a priority and feels comfortable there. Um, Texas has done a fantastic job with him. Um, they're definitely going to make his top seven. He's already scheduled his OV there. Um, Again, I think they're in a, a small handful of teams where, where he ends up in the, in the end. And he is one of those unique, um, legitimate in-state kids that could be a difference maker on that side of the ball once you, once you put him in a college football program and a weight room and nutrition program and the kind of the freakish talent that he embodies. Um, I like where Texas stands. Um, they've done a good job of recruiting him and, and continuing to recruit him and stay on him. His relationship with Dre Bledsoe, who's obviously now on campus in Austin, um, makes him feel like he's already a part of the program. And again, you have to take it to a small town kid um, going, going to a school like Austin or, or going to College Station or, or going to Norman or if he goes to, you know, LSU or Alabama, you need that, that, that small town connection. Having blood so already on that roster is something that you can't really look past at this point. Gotcha. Um, you're, you're obviously from uh, Louisiana and you spent time uh, watching uh, Lance Hurd and uh, Jordan Matthews as well, Sam. Uh, what, what are your uh, thoughts on those two? And then Derek Williams, I think, is another player that Texas has had on campus a couple of times, but we, we seem to believe Alabama is trending for. What are your thoughts on those three? Yeah, um, you know, Jordan, uh, I think I think I might have been first in, uh, in our little industry, maybe at least not on three. I put the RPM for, for Jordan to Texas. Um, and I, and I think that Texas has kind of been running away with this quietly um, since since almost January. Um, they've been the school most consistent recruiting him from Brandon Harris to Terry Joseph. Um, he's continued to frequent Austin. And, and from talking to people close to him, he's just getting more and more comfortable with it out there. And um, you talk about a kid with a profile that, you know, any any program in the country would love. It's six foot two, almost 185 pounds, long, rangy. Um, I think I think, you know, he'll be back on campus, I believe, this summer. Um, and, you know, I know that LSU and Alabama are two teams that have continued to kick the tires on Jordan this spring. And will be interesting to see if they can get back into the race this, this summer. But all things considered, I think that Texas is, is clearly the team to beat for Jordan. They've only cemented that over the spring. Um, and I think, you know, like, like any kid, he'll check some boxes before he makes his decision final. But I love where Texas stands with him. And that's a Terry Joseph special right there. It's a kid that anyone would want to have in their secondary for this class. Um, same goes for Derek Williams. I think I just wrote about him, but 
you know, coming from from New Iberia Westgate, giving me the same kind of vibes that Keishon Butte did at this time in his career. He just seems to move a little bit differently. Um, I, you know, I know we have him as a number two safety in the country, but he could play anywhere in the secondary. And I think that in, in today's NFL where safeties are getting paid to do m- multiple things, Derek Williams, you could put anywhere as a high safety, as a, you know, in the box safety, as, as a nickel safety, as a, a corner on the boundaries. Um, he just added a Clemson offer this week, um, and he's kind of expanded his recruitment a little bit. Texas is, is one of the teams that has held on, along with Alabama and LSU. Um, and now that A&M has entered the mix, Miami has entered the mix, Clemson has entered the mix, and Oklahoma has entered the mix. Um, he's scheduled uh, to take an OV to Miami uh, at some point in June. Um, he's, he's doing the same to Texas. Um, Alabama certainly is trending right now. Um, but that, that, that's, a, that's, cur- that's a, a current mood. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a long ways to go in Derek's recruitment. I can assure you it's going to go to at least till December, if not February. That's just how it's going to, you know, and, and with new teams coming on at this point, he's got to explore these options a little bit more closely. Um, I know he's going to go back to Alabama. He's trying to go to LSU. But for Texas to hold on, he's, he's talked about it. You know, he's trying to figure out who's real and who isn't. Uh, Michigan has kind of fallen out of the race. You know, a kid from New Iberia, Louisiana, isn't going to go so far from home that he can't drive anywhere. So I think you have the Southeast, and I think you have Texas as a, as a real possibility. Um, and then Brandon Harris again and Terry Joseph. Um, additionally, uh, Terry Price coming over um, and, uh, and, and TJ rushing for A&M getting involved and uh, Coach Venables for Oklahoma. But some of those guys – Terry Joseph and Brandon Harris have been key in, in Derek's recruitment and keeping him looking at those out-of-state options. And then for Lance Hurd to finish up, what a performance in his spring game. Um, that was my first time seeing Lance, and that, that's a rarity for a Louisiana kid that I had to wait until he was a junior to see. But he looks like he could not only play on Saturdays, but he looks like he'd suit up on Sundays not too, not too, uh, not too distant from now. And um, he pointed out that even though Bo Davis is recruiting him, he is getting recruited at, at offensive tackle by Texas, um, which is big because obviously um, I know that he has had feelings about playing on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's all set for him to play offense now. Um, he's an elite offensive tackle prospect. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and like I said earlier in this, Bo Davis is an elite recruiter. So it's great to have him leading the way. Um, and in North Louisiana, a place where he's recruited in the past. He's point, you know, Lance pointed out that he's been to Texas probably more than any other campus, um, which you have to, you, you can't ignore. Um, this summer, he's expected to see Nebraska. He might go to Oklahoma State. He might go to Texas, um, and he might go to LSU unofficially. He again is in no rush to make a decision. At the earliest, I could see it, you know, December, January, February. He's going to take his time, but we can assure you that Texas is in it for the long run. They've established the longevity in this recruitment. The biggest threat, in my opinion, would be LSU after finally offering this spring. Still hasn't visited for the staff, so they have get ground to make up. Florida State has been a team that's been coming on really strong. Um, he's got a lot of connections to Coach Atkins at Florida State. Um, and then USC with Josh Henson has been recruiting him since he was at Oklahoma State, then at AM, and now I think he's also in the process of setting up that OV to USC, which would be a team to watch. But um, LSU, Texas – Seems like it could come down to them because of where he lives in the country, but watch out for Florida State and USC as well. Okay. Um, any uh, uh, any uh, wild cards for Texas in the, the Pelican State? You know, I'll, I'll say this. 
there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Texas. Something that um, you just hear about from from making your way around Texas, from and then back to Louisiana, back and forth throughout the whole spring, April, May, going back and forth. Um, something in Louisiana that that coaches are very conscious of is that Texas has not been afraid to throw offers out a little bit earlier um, than in the past. Um, you have to credit that to the staff and you know Brandon Harris and these coaches that are being on the road and that they're. You know, Steve Sarkeesian has quietly been at Texas for a couple of years now, and his staff has been building these relationships for some time. And um, early offers go a long way in building relationships and at least getting your foot in the door to compete with the LSUs and Alabamas of the world. And um, right now, those early offers to guys like Jordan Matthews and and Lance Hurd and and Arch Manning are the reason that they're in the mix for those three elite guys from Louisiana. Um, So they have they have a great staff from the top on down um, and they are prime to make noise in Louisiana and whether it's at the top with Arch or you know a couple of elite guys underneath you know I, I think it's going to be a trend over this year as as, as Steve Sarkeesian continues to, to lead Texas up in in the college football ranks um, we'll see the pay we'll see a pay dividends on the recruiting trail and that includes Louisiana where there's always a wealth of talent to uh to recruit um Sam your take uh on one other thing here we've been talking so much lately about NIL and its impact on college football recruiting. Uh, Texas faring fairly well in the portal, which uh, seems to be somewhat NIL related at, at whatever level, if you look at uh, USC in particular uh, of late. What, what are you hearing on the ground, really, from a high school perspective as it relates to NIL and its impact on college football? We just had Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher go head-to-head in some kind of bizarre <laughs> bromance I, what 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 are you you know what are you hearing uh, and what are you what are you noticing on the ground from an nil perspective yeah i, I can tell you this it's um it, it feels like nfl free agency nfl front offices at this point it, you know between the transfer portal and you know these contract deals that are being set up listen i i think all athletes should get paid you know for for risking it you know on the field and and i'm all for the endorsements and whatnot um i'm a proponent for any of that it's also a different you know perspective to be covering recruiting for you know the amount of years that we have and and to hear them just basically go some and some kids consider nil more than others and some consider it as a part of the equation or some consider it the entirety of the equation but to hear these numbers attached to these figures about if you come to our university and you can get this amount this year and this amount if you stay this amount and this amount if you play this amount and it's 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 interesting um i could say that it it, it feels like it's, it's sometimes weighing contract offers instead of like what we talked about earlier about distance to home and opportunity to play and compete for titles and you know what, what, what my what life is like in this campus but um it's definitely i think the biggest thing and and it's been echoed you know quite a bit is it just needs to be um regulated you know it, it you, you don't want to hear about bidding wars um and you don't want it to to just become where 16 teams in the country are competing over the best 300 players you want the the small schools that don't have this big free agency budget to be able to contend for recruits because of either where they are or the the coaches that are recruiting them um and so i think we're heading in a a unique direction um but i i think that if nick saban speaks about something like this um we're, we're due for change and he's just echoing what, what other people are, are expressing to him. And we've all kind of quietly been exchanging over the over the last couple of months as we all kind of see each other again, face to face for the first time in a couple of years. 
Um, and it's definitely, it's a whole nuanced part of the equation. And, and, it, and it has its perks to hear about kids that, you know, live in, in East Texas that can now go on a plane and get a rental car and a, and a Marriott for their whole family to see a kid play on a different coast. That's pretty cool. That, that, you know, that's like the perks and that's, that's the cool part about this or that a kid can sign autographs and get compensated for that because those, those people in the stands are wearing their Jersey numbers, you know, those are for players. Those aren't just, you know, those aren't just Jersey numbers. They, they, they stand for players, but definitely from a recruiting angle to hear that we're only going to talk to schools that can present X amount of money. And, you know, these kind of figures, it's, I get it. And I, and if that's the way you want to go about it, that's, you know, that's perfectly fine, but it, it does take away a little bit of the small era of fun. That's a part of the recruiting process, in my opinion. I agree with that last point. How, how widespread is that? Like what percentage are, are, are taking that almost mercenary approach entirely? I, I would say it's split because, you know, you see kids from all walks of life and, and kids that put a premium on different parts of their recruitment. Um, you know, and, and, and I get that, right? Like that, that's, that's how businesses, business decisions are made. Um, but, you know, to, I, I appreciate when kids can balance the, you know, the, the normal, the, what I say are quote unquote normalcies of a recruitment, you know, what, you know, could I go play and, and, you know, compete for playing time here? My favorite edge rusher growing up, you know, played for this team out of state, or I grew up watching this player on Saturdays and, and now they're playing for my favorite NFL team, you know, at home, things like that, you know, paired with the NIL potential, I feel like there can be some semblance of balance. Um, I just don't know if we've struck it yet. Is there a, is there a percentage you would put on it that are just entirely mercenary 5%, 10%? 50%, what, what percentage of, of players that you run? I, I, think, I think that, that, that one to 10% sounds about right. I, I don't think it's as widespread because, you know, I think most people are just accustomed to doing things a certain way and it's all, you know, you can take it into account as much as you, as you can, but you know, you, ha I haven't heard too many crazy cases, you know, you definitely hear about one every now and then, but you know, I think for the most part, people are, are still learning about this um, and, and trying to educate themselves and, kind of, you know, learning it through a crash course, if you will. Um, so it, it, they're definitely feeling it out. But um, as soon as we, we somehow get some regulation and balance to it, I think it'll, it'll work itself out. All right. Sam Spiegelman, on three national recruiting expert, joining us from uh, New Orleans. Sam, I really appreciate your time, bud. It was awesome to talk to you. Uh, a wealth of information. We appreciate it. Anytime, Bobby. Great to see you, bud. All right. You enjoy the sun out there in New Orleans. All right. Thanks a bunch uh, for this episode. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton for Sam Spiegelman. This has been On Texas Football.